Welcome to Profiles in Risk, and this is your host, Tony Canyas, and this is like episode like 202, 203, something like that. Today, I have with, with me Rob McCarthy with RPS. Uh, Rob, how's it going today? It is going super well. Awesome, and I am excited for this one because this one is a very much back to who Insurance Nerds is, and if you've been listening to Profiles in Risk for a long time, you know that we've, we've done probably 115 SureTech interviews. And uh, on the blog side, we talk a lot about careers. But on the podcast side, it's hard to get people uh, who work in the insurance side uh, because you know, com- insurance companies are conservative. It's hard for people to get permission. Uh, so, so I'm very happy to, to, to have you here. And especially you have worked... Uh, your your insurance career exactly in the opposite side of what I've done with mine. I've spent my whole career in in the carrier space, uh, so I I talk a lot about about brokers, but I've never worked at a broker, and <laughs> I, I I talk a lot about about insurance careers, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, about, about what we need to do differently, uh, but especially on the broker side, I. Right, I, I, I haven't gone through it, so, so it, it's, it's hard for me. So, so having a, a young broker who's, been doing, who's done it for a good while and survived uh, is, and, and is, you know, has thoughts about, about, about what that looks like is exciting. So, so tell, tell me, how did you fall into insurance or, or are you one of the few that grew up wanting to do this? Uh, so how, how did you find yourself in insurance? Tell me a little bit about, about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the, like every insurance person ever, um, insurance was not uh, like growing up the dream job. I definitely kind of fell into it backwards. Um, so uh, I went to school for graphic design, which uh, still enjoy, but not uh, the best of career paths. Um, and so I ended up joining, uh, my father owned an agency and that's where I spent most of my career uh, in New York, uh, retail A shop. graphic design agency. No, I'm sorry. Oh, an insurance agency. Okay, insurance okay. agency. No, okay. No, no. Second generation insurance. Awesome. Second generation insurance. Yep. I'm one, I'm one of those, uh, which we've got a lot. So what w- w- was the family agency? What w- was, is that a, an independent agency? Yep. Independent okay. agency, uh, about an hour outside of New York city, uh, heavily construction. Um, so got, you know, to experience a lot of different stuff. Uh, New York construction is a crazy, 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 crazy market. And any of you out there that listen and, and think it's a great idea to dabble, it's probably not. <laughs> you really have to be a specialist, basically. You really do. It's, it's a super tough market to jump into, but a lot of people are tempted by it because the premiums are ridiculous. So it's one of those. Um, but yeah, all that to say, it kind of fell, fell into that, um, went to school so- for graphic design, and fell into the insurance agency. So, 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 so you're like, no, dad, I'm not following you into insurance. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go study graphic design. And then you graduated and like, he's, he's laughing, going like, you can make a lot more money here. It, well, yeah. And uh, so this was like 2008. So yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like everybody I know is couch surfing, freelancing and like scraping by. And my father's like, are you sure insurance is a bad deal? (laughs) Well, you know, it's not such a bad deal when 
And uh, so, yeah, joined the agency, uh, got to use some of my graphic design skills there, you know, fell into more of the marketing side, um, which I enjoyed a lot, uh, you know, oversaw a couple of different website redesigns, did a ton of um, videos and content marketing, that sort of stuff. Um, really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, uh, eventually uh, decided that uh, my wife and I wanted to relocate to Austin, Texas, which has been phenomenal. Um, no regrets there. And with that transitioned uh, from the family agency, you know, it just didn't uh, remote is uh, a tough sell in, in a family independent insurance agency. So uh, that's when I decided to join up with uh, RPS. I, I think that there, there's not a lot of remote people. Uh, be, be, and we're recording this in uh, late July 2020, right? So, so uh, in the deep of, uh, of, of, of the coronavirus uh, issue where every, everybody in, in our world is, is working remote, all of us that can, which in insurance we pretty much all can. Uh, I, before this mess, there were just not a lot of people in, in the broker side that, that, that work remote in general. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, they butts in seats, butts in seats. And especially like a traditionally managed uh, brokerage of, 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 of any sort. And, and it, it'd, be, it'd be a little bit weird to, I, I'm, a, I'm a, you're a construction specialist, uh, but uh, here in Texas. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, okay, so 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 you moved to 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 Austin. What? Why? Why Austin? Oh, I mean, so not to play full commercial for Austin, but if you visited, you you just you you fall in love. It's a great city. There's so much to do here. People are super active. People are super friendly, which was a big change for me coming from New York. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. New Yorkers are not the, the friendliest mm. of people out there. Uh, great people, love New Yorkers, New Yorker for life. I mean, bagels and pizza, mm, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the people in Texas are super friendly. The weather's great. We've got some family here. And uh, it's just really where my wife and I wanted to, you know, build our life. Okay. So, so when you made the move to Austin, were you thinking going to another retail broker? Because it was a direct transition for your experience. That was like uh, like a like a fleeting thought, um, but I kind of knew what that was going to look like. Um, they were going to try and shove me into a production role, and going from New York construction specialist to you know producer in Austin, where I knew you know a dozen people. It just didn't seem super appealing, you know. I, it, I mean, that's just really the bottom line. It just, it wasn't something that excited me and it didn't really, you know, I know the, the hustle of building a book of business. It, it takes a lot of work, you know, as a, I mean, at the end of the day, you're a salesperson. I mean, a skilled and, you know, trusted advisor and all of that stuff, but you've got to meet people and sell a product. And to go that route in a retail capacity just seemed like a huge uphill battle. And so being that, in New York, most of the construction is done through a wholesaler. Um, I was super familiar with wholesalers and had strong relationships with several, to be honest with you. Um, and so it was kind of in the back of my head that like, you know, I think that's probably the area that I want to go just because it's what it gave me a level up as far as a larger corporation, which was something I wanted to do. And I was just somewhat familiar with wholesale. Um, 
transitioned from, you know, I, I'm not doing construction on the wholesale side, which would have been just too smooth. We don't, we don't want to do that. You know, we like to complicate things. Um, so joined the executive lines team within RPS, which has been honestly phenomenal. Their culture is incredible. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been great. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of, a easy is a strong word, but it just, it made the most sense to me to go from retail to wholesale, given my background, not doesn't make sense for everyone, but I think it did for me. So I, I think a, a good part of our audience has very little idea what the wholesale side of insurance is. Uh, so, so how, how, do, how do you best explain it? Uh, you know, to somebody who, who is, you know, sitting at nationwide or a state farm or a, at a very standard lines company, uh, how, how, do you, how do you explain what, what, what a, a wholesale brokerage does? Yep. So uh, the easiest way of explaining it is a wholesale brokerage, um, usually larger organization, has a specific industry and coverage knowledge that a run-of-the-mill you know, agency doesn't typically have. And so for, you know, me specifically now with the executive lines team, we focus on cyber DNO EPL. And so that's it. Like those, I mean, we do a couple other things, but like by and large, those are the lines we deal with day in and day out. Whereas your typical retail agent might deal with those policies a few times a year. You know, if you're more of a specialist, then they're going to deal with it more often. But the wholesaler provides that specific expertise as well as access to markets that just are not there. They, they're typically excess and surplus. And so there's filings and special licenses and it's just a little bit cumbersome. And so that's where the wholesaler comes in. They bring in that expertise and then access to London and all of that stuff, which, uh, you know, average Main Street area agency isn't going to call up London and say, hey, can you, you know, write this weird and wacky thing for me? It just, you know, yeah. So that's the long answer on what a wholesaler does. <laughs> okay. So, so, so basically from the career perspective, so now you move on to, to be a wholesale broker at a very large uh, wholesale brokerage. Uh, so you've got a bunch of, of uh, more difficult to get contracts and you work in more specialized and your client is now an independent agent, not... The, the ultimate client. So, so, so uh, independent agent with a customer that that's not their bread and butter, because if it was a bread and butter, they would probably have a contract themselves to be able to write that, that customer. So, exactly. So how, 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 how do you, how do you market? The, the, how, how, how do you get in front of independent agents? Is, is, is it like, I, I used to be a carrier sales manager. So I spent time kind of like, going to the independent agencies with the donuts in hand and training them on what we do. Is, is it similar as a retail broker or, or how, how does that work? Yeah. So as a wholesale broker, it, it's um, similar. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's not, um, I mean, obviously during, you know, once again, this is July, 2020. And so, you know, <laughs> things are a little bit different right now, but yes, uh, typically there's a lot of in-person meetings, you know, lunches, uh, what, what, what do they say? Uh, BLD, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. That's, that's the typical model. However, given this is July 2020, um, and my background specifically, um, I've gone kind of wholly the other direction. And so 
I, um, this is something I did in a smaller uh, capacity uh, within the retail shop, but I use video email pretty heavily. And so that's how I reach out and connect with people. Okay. Uh-huh. So, um, so, so a personalized, Hey, like specifically for you video. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because I mean, so give, given once again, the, the world that we are currently living in, everyone's working from home. You can't just cold call someone because their agency phone number is probably going to the receptionist who's working from home. And then they're not going to want to pass you along to a cell phone of somebody else because that's just, you're, you're pushing, you know, a little far. And so, uh, yeah, video personalized video emails is, uh, you know, really that's, it's something I used in the retail shop worked well. And now I've, you know, started using that in the wholesale capacity and it's same thing. I, I enjoy it. Very interesting. I have thought of doing that uh, in, in my job with, with uh, Jacobson because I sell a weird service. I, 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 I sell uh, staffing services to insurance companies. Uh, I have the advantage, kind of like you do, that, 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 that I work for, for the biggest player in, 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 in my space. Uh, but the, the problem is that I don't do the main thing. Right? The, the main thing that Jacobson does is, is executive search and uh, what we call professional staffing. So, so they're, they're both permanent staffing within insurance at different levels. Uh, I sell temporary consultants, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, I reach out to business unit leaders in, uh, in, 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 the, in the carriers and the moment they smell the fact that I'm talking about staffing, they immediately go like, oh, you have to go to HR. Uh, and HR, basically, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we know you guys, we have you on, on if, if we need help, we'll call you. But, but they like that they don't even hear the fact that what I'm talking about is temporary consultants. Right. Uh, so, so, so we have to get creative on, on how to get in front of the right people and get the right message across. So I've thought about doing that, about using a, a, a highly uh, recommend it. Okay. Highly uh, recommend how, it. how, how we should probably have this conversation offline, but how, how long of a video do, do you send? Um, so, oh. Listen, we're, we're going, we're going deep on this. Huh? Yeah, this is way too tactical. But <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's good. It's good. I, so this is something I really enjoy. So I'm actually glad this came up. Um, so I have kind of a lack of a better word, like a, a sales sequence. Mm-hmm. And so my initial video to try and get their attention is very short. Um, and I'm talking less than 30 seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really just like an ultimate, like, Hey, Tony, how are you doing? You know, this is Rob with RPS. I hope you're having a great day. You know, and then I I attach some, you know, white paper case studies type documentation to, you know, provide some value. Um, But very short video. And then over the coming weeks, I'll actually deliver additional video emails, some personalized, some not, but still to try and just grab their attention. And it honestly, like people... uh, the most common reply is, how did you do that? And then they finally actually digest that I'm from RPS and you know, whatever. Um, but they're, they're very intrigued by the fact that there's a video showing up in Outlook because it's just not expected. Very interesting. And, and uh, part of, part of the, I didn't really catch this as we started the conversation, but, but uh, you, you made the move to, to RPS in March of 2020, like you made the move and basically immediately the, the, the job changed radically. Oh, so, so you have no idea. So I started March 9th, 
we made that decision. I was up in Chicago. They flew me up there because that's where the, the main exec lines team is. And um, I'm up there for that week. I was supposed to be there for the whole week. And Wednesday they decided they're like, we're going, we're, we're going remote. Every uh, we're, we're, Chicago office is closing. Everyone's going home. And I'm like, I don't even have a laptop yet, guys. Like, <laughs> Uh, they, gave, uh, they gave me a loaner laptop, okay. which I actually still have. It's, it's off camera. And, and that's it. It's, it's now July 24th. That office is not open yet. Like, right? like, it might exactly. not be open until next year. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the, the timing is absurd. But honestly, like, it's been great. Like, they've done an incredible job of onboarding me. And we've actually brought on additional team members throughout all of this, which is crazy. Um, but that in and of itself, I think is something that is going to be interesting to see how it plays out across the industry over the next, however long this lasts. Yes. Let, let, let's, let's, I, we still, we still have to talk about your experience uh, as a retail agent and, and what we could do as, as an industry better to train new retail agents. All right. Agents. Let's, but, let's, let's, let's go back but, to that. We, we, we can talk COVID. Okay, we'll, we'll, and, get, we'll get to COVID because I do think that, that also the conversation on, on how COVID is changing and will change the industry. I think that's very interesting also. Uh, so uh, clearly for the listeners, you know that I'm ADD. Uh, in this case, you pro we probably have two ADD guys uh, on, on, on the video. So it, it, is, it is what it is. Uh, we're, we're high energy at least. Uh, so, yeah, and, and this is a Friday. So man, could you imagine if we had done this on a Monday? Oh yes. We are recording Friday, 4.30 PM my time, uh, 3.30 uh, Rob's time. So, so as a broker, you, you had the advantage of, of your dad had done it. And, and so your dad knew how to do it. Uh, but I'm assuming that GRBM, uh, doesn't have a great training program. The, the way that the great majority of, of agencies don't have a great training program. So what was that, what was that like what, once, you, once you did come in to the agency? Yeah. So, I mean, this is not to, to poo-poo on independent agents, but I agree with you. I mean, as a whole, my first two years were spent really trying to learn the industry and learn what that looks like and how to do things. I mean, from it, there's a policies and a procedures manual, and then there's actually how things are done. It's kind of like getting your insurance license. Like well, it's look, great. You, you you guys had a written down manual that that is. That we is we did not then. Oh, we did okay, not okay. then. Okay. I was say most small brokers wouldn't have that. Okay. No, we did. We didn't have that then. That was something that um, I built after that. Okay. And continued to modify through the years because I had such a terrible experience. And really the fact that it took me two years to get up to speed is just, that's such a, a ton of time and, and money that was just wasted. And so, yeah, that training onboarding initial two years was, was rough. Um, and that's just because the, the pace in an independent insurance agency is, is, is surprisingly intense. Uh, you know, for people that have only ever been on the carrier side, um, you might not realize that like the amount of phone calls and just the, the fast pace of a typical, you know, granted, I worked in one independent agency, so I'm just using that as my experience, but the, the pace at which we operated was intense. You know, you're getting phone calls and, and it's just, 
oh, this billing issue. But to, to resolve this billing issue, I've got to call the carrier and then call the customer back. And it's just, they're upset. And then I'm trying to figure out with the carrier, why the heck they did this? Like, why did their bill go up by $75 this month for no apparent reason? You know, the crazy things that happen. And uh, so that pace and trying to train and learn is really intense. Um, and you've got the fact that by and large, in the actual retail shops, typically the owner is a salesperson, not really a business person, you know? But that's, I, in what I've seen, that is key. Uh, your successful agent, producer, broker, whatever you want to call it, got successful because they were good at selling. They were, they were good at, at, at servicing, the, 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 uh, they were good at bringing in a new client. Uh, and successfully sell, sell, selling them in, in insurance. Uh, they never asked to manage an agency, right? That's, that's not what, what, what they're good at. And unless they, have the, the, uh, unless they have the introspection to at some point say, okay, I either have to learn how to be a really good manager or I need to bring in a really good manager so I can continue focusing on selling, that transition doesn't seem to happen. It, 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 you always tend to end, to, to end up with, with the, the good salespeople and, and they bring other people in and, and they're like, well, do what I do. <laughs> yes. And nobody's managing, right? Yes. And it's, it's it, honestly, it's probably one of the biggest problems in independent agents is the fact that the leaders are almost always sales-minded people. And so that kills your training, it kills your systems, it kills really like just that, that core like office work component because those guys typically are, you know, very fly by the seat of their pants, you know, and just go, 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 go. Not like, whoa, let's, let's hit the brakes here. Let's, let's, you know, make sure we've got, you know, let's not just bring this person on because we need more bodies. Let's figure out, you know, what they're going to be doing, how they're going to be doing it and, and systematize it. And, and it, it sounds like you guys, like, did, did you have an account manager specifically doing service or what? Okay. So, so you, you did have kind of an account manager, or a couple of account managers handling the service piece. Yes. It yes. just wasn't super well organized on, on how to, get the next producer. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's really like, um, and, and this is once again, you know, how we did it, not necessarily the best way of doing it. And there are mm. probably agencies that are doing it great. But I think based on my conversations with people more often than not, it, it's more done the way we did it, which is mm -hmm. got spinning plates. And then it's like, Oh, I, I can't handle any more plates. Let's bring on somebody else. They're now an account manager. Let's train them real quick. And they're going to sit next to me for a couple of weeks and then hopefully be able to handle some stuff. Not great. Okay. Not great. Gotcha. Um, and then you've also got the fact that, you know, by and large, you're, you're still super busy. So it's like, you can't really take as much time to really handhold this person because there is a pretty steep learning curve. Okay. Sorry, so, I've got the super highway going out there. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, so what, what could it look like if... It, if, if, if we had our way and, and, and we could design the, the yeah. brokerage uh, in, in a way to maximize these, the, 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 the percentage of, of new people who succeed, what, what is it that, that, that 
that is missing? So, I mean, honestly, I think more independent insurance agents should bring in a serious operations person. And whether that's at a partner level or even just as like a really strong office manager, you've got to get out of your own way and realize that like, yes, while you can kill it in sales, that's really not like going to transfer over to building the business. You can, I mean, you can run it as a book of business and you can have you and a couple of assistants and make a good living. But if you want to be a dominant agency, you're going to need that business partner and systems and training. And there's, there's more stuff coming, honestly, like, um, there's a company called total CSR that Mm -hmm. I've dabbled with a little bit. They are are really trying to take that angle of it of like, all right, let's, let's get some people, some insurance knowledge, because unfortunately there, there's a, I don't know what misguided opinion, shall we say that if you have your license, you know how to do stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and uh, total CSR does deserve a mention. I chatted with them a couple of years ago and my understanding at least at that time was they've got this, this large uh, library of uh, video education, uh, very practical for your CSRs. Uh, and it's kind of like you subscribe your agency and you can take advantage of all of this education for your CSR. Is that what it looks like today? So I haven't, um, last year used, at it? last I used them. Yes. It was basically like, um, they, they hadn't even got brought on personal lines. They started with commercial lines, which I think is phenomenal. Um, personal lines, are a lot easier to grasp. Mm-hmm. And so they started with commercial lines and really walked you through like, from like the ground floor, like starting with accord forms and like really like got it to the point where you'd have at least a basic understanding. You still might not know what that data is that you're punching into the accord form, but you know what the accord form is. You understand the importance of it. You know, insurance really encompasses so many different things. Like it's, I, it's, it, I mean, I love it. I, so I've been in insurance for a long time. And I, as a result, you, you tend to love it. I mean, similar to you, you've been in the industry a mm-hmm. while. You just, but you, you're almost, you know, you're involved in the business finances, you're involved in the business operations, and then you're involved in like business processing with, you know, the insurance certificates and, and managing the account, the customer relations. There's just so many avenues, but at least companies like Total CSR coming in, you, you can get kind of that core, like, it's on top of the license because the license, once again, it's a requirement and everyone needs one, but it doesn't translate super well to what we actually do as insurance professionals. Yeah. The, the, I, I, I've never been licensed, but my understanding is that in most States, the licensing basically covers how insurance is regulated uh, and some technicalities around, around that. And that, it, that's it. It really, it definitely doesn't teach you to sell. Uh, and uh, it doesn't really teach you the day-to-day in any way, shape, or form, right? Right. But down to not even like how to fill out an accord, accord form, right? If you work on the, on the commercial side. Uh, so, so really, all the license do, gives you the very basics of what insurance is and kind of a few like don't do this kind of thing. Well, yeah, it, it's more like state state laws that you can't mm. break. Like you can't rebate, you can't do this, which is important and you need to know that. But like, it's really like, I, I, it almost needs to move, in, in my opinion, to more of like a CPA type license where it's like you get 
and then you have to apprentice. Like you should not just be able to get your license and like go oh, for it, free. It, it is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous that, that in most states it takes more education to, to cut hair than it does to sell insurance. It, it absolutely. That is insane. I never thought about that, but you're right. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. trusting people's biggest assets, whether personal or commercial to someone who has less training than the person who cuts your hair. And, and we're, as an wow. industry, we're, 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 we don't do ourselves any favors by, by doing that. Right. All, all you're doing is, is putting agents out there who can legalize the insurance, uh, but, but who are making us look bad. Uh, and, and, and they won't make it, right? Unless they land in the right place, you end up with a huge turnover rate. And, and that's bad for everybody. It's, it's bad for the industry. It's, it's bad for, for, for the consumer. Like, it's bad for the person going through it. Yeah, the li- licensing as, as it exists today uh, doesn't prepare anybody for, for, to be successful within insurance. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately. However, I do think that creates an opportunity for young people that want to get into the business. Like if you understand that chances are your training isn't going to be great. It's just, I mean, just be real. Let's be real. Your, your, training, your, your, your training, your technology. Your, <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. Your, your training and technology. We'll just go through it all. <laughs> they're, they're all going to be a little bit mad right now, but insurance is super stable. Everybody needs it. And in my opinion, insurance is on the cusp of really transforming itself. Okay. That's- um, the stability. I, I've been banging the drum about, insur- about insurance being an incredibly stable career uh, for the whole time I've been around and uh, it hasn't let me down. Uh, I, I started in the industry around the same time you did uh, around the 09 recession and there were jobs like companies had not had, had large downsizings right now with national unemployment holding somewhere like 13% insurance unemployment went up from one to 3%, but it's still, uh, it's still a, a great stable career. Uh, we're not seeing large downsizings. Uh, the service that, that Jacobson's running says, says that carriers will continue hiring. Uh, the broker side is holding steady. Uh, it, it, yeah, it is, it is a really stable career. So, so, so I agree with you that insurance is, is on a, at the beginning of, of kind of a, a great renaissance, let's put it that way. And that's why we've done 200 and some episodes of, of Profiles in Risk. Uh, but so, so why, from your perspective, is, is, it, is it insure tech uh, or, or, or why do you think that insurance is in this great place Absolutely. for a young professional? So uh, first of all, I, I, I want to walk back one thing. Um, the, the, the drum that you said about stability, the other drum that gets beaten all the time and I think needs to be, need, needs to be eliminated from our vocabulary as insurance people is the lifestyle. And that's like such a huge, like, I don't know, like they, they always used to talk about if you're in insurance, you can golf on Fridays oh, and do all yeah, that. The, but, that that's, that's, that's your side of the, of the world on, on the carrier side. Uh, that's never been the case, but yeah, I, it's I, I never been the case for me either. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know who, I think that was, you know what? I think that was the mentality of the old guys who that, didn't know how to convince anybody to join insurance. That, 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 like, that was, 
that, that was the, the, the personal alliance exclusive agents were Maybe. the ones where that was actually true. Like, like, like the, back in the day at Nationwide and, and, and at Allstate and State Farm, it really used to be uh, come and work hard for 10 years and build your book. And then those people will stay with you forever. And all you have mm. to do is service that book, which takes a lot less time than building it. Uh, but but that, was, that was prior to, to Geico and, and uh, prior to it becoming super competitive and, and people being able to, to buy insurance through any means. Uh, back when you basically had to go into somebody's office to, to, to get a policy, uh, it, it really was kind of that way. Um, but yeah, we're we're too young. Like, like this is the, yeah, the I never got any of that. Exactly, the guys that started in and and now, I haven't seen insurance being sold that way during my time. Uh, are, are you you still seeing a little bit of that? As far as like the lifestyle country club yeah. sales thing, yeah, there's definitely still tons of agents that operate in that ma- manner. Okay. Absolutely, I, I had friends, you know that I associated with in New York that were other retailers and absolutely they were, you know, golf course, uh, car club, you know, tennis club, all of that was their, like they they operated in that manner. Um, it's still, I mean, there are definitely still insurance people operating in that way, which, you know, it's one of those businesses, um, that it's really tough to really catastrophically fail at. You can be mediocre and survive and hang out for a while. I, I think that there's a lot of young agents that, that, that don't make it the first, that don't survive the, the, the validation period. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And that is, um, the unfortunate reality is I don't think many producers, young producers specifically, are given enough leeway to succeed the runway and the ramp up period is so huge. And Joe, the producer that now owns the agency and is hiring, you know, young, young Billy and, and thinks that he can survive on 35 grand a year for the first year is disconnected from reality. And the reality is the, the agency principal is probably pulling in 250 or 350 a year. And you want this guy to survive on 10% of what you make. Come on. Uh- and that's, I've been saying something very similar to, to, to that for, for a good while. Um, but basically, the, the three-day validation, three-day, the three-year traditional validation uh, that's, you know, that the industry was built on uh, is, is, doesn't make as much sense in, in a world of student loans, in, 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 a, in a world of, of uh where people can buy insurance through anywhere, right? Through, through, through the phone, through the internet, through an app, through the, like, it, it's just harder than it used to be. Now I've had, I've had people say, well, but now we have digital marketing. We have incredible tools that we didn't have before. Right. True. And those tools, you have to gain a certain expertise to learn how to use them. Right. And, and chances are the agency doesn't know how to teach me because they're, they're not, Right. So unless I happen to come from a digital marketing uh, background, uh, right. So I, I, I agree. It's, 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 it's the first few years as, as, as an agent is, is w- brutal. It, exactly. It's, it's brutal. And, and you talked about, about how your first two years, w- 
before you actually became productive. And, I, and right, I don't know what the deal was you had with, with your dad, but had you been like just Joe off the street with a declining uh, three-year val validation, you, it sounds like you might not have survived. Well, I mean, honestly, the only reason I did survive is because my expenses were dirt cheap and I survived on next to no money. It, it, I mean, yeah. Was I probably cut some additional slack? Yeah. Thank you, pops. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, there, the, the model within agencies is, you know, a low pay, you know, because it, it, it if, if your salary is lower then your validation is lower and then it's like, but, but I also need to eat. <laughs> and I probably have student loans. Uh, so many people that I talk to that are getting into the industry, they're, they have either a spouse or a significant other that's kind of supporting them while they're trying to get their book off the ground. And that's just not like, how, how, how much, how invested are you going to be if, if your spouse is supporting you while you try and figure this out? Well, and, 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 and if, that's, if, the, if that is the key way to survive as a young insurance agent while you build your book, then we will continue to have the lack of diversity that we're already known for, right? And that we're working hard to, to fix mm -hmm. uh, because, right, the, 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 the more diverse talent probably doesn't have a, a spouse able to, to, uh, to support them for three or five years or 10 years while, while they build a book of business. So we're yeah. not doing ourselves any favors if, if the way to survive as a young agent is, is uh, to have that advantage going in. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is tough. That being said, that is not all agencies. Some agencies are doing great. They're giving a, a realistic runway. But by and large, I see a, a pretty significant disconnect on that. And it's unfortunate because I think it discourages a lot of people from really investing into the insurance industry, which it is an investment. Like you're going to hustle so hard to build your book, so hard. But if you do it, You've set yourself up, you're building an asset and it's great, but that's actually not the real reason that I'm super bullish on insurance. We'll circle back to that. So I think the future of insurance is really great, specifically for independent agents, really the whole industry in general is the fact that we're on the cusp of that revolution. And that comes from a lot of things coming together. You've got an industry that by and large has been pretty stagnant. You know, a lot of that country club selling, a lot of technology that's mm, not great. Let's be honest, not great. And so you, you've got a, a catalyst right now that's pushing things forward. You've got agencies going remote that were never remote. You've got, the, and that's exposing a whole ton of different things that they need and don't need. You know, that service person that would only work in the office, they refuse to ever work from home. Now that person has probably become a bit of a liability because they don't really know how to use technology because they never wanted to do it. And when they were in the office, they just pawned it off on somebody else, you know, and now you've got this headache of a person who's not really a great fit for the new environment that is, unfortunately. And, you know, as an industry, we've got a ton of really older talent and that's another huge, like, opportunity. You know, looking at it from the young agent's perspective or the new college graduate, you've got a super stable industry, aging talent. You've got a new work from home environment that's not going to change. 
The reality is these companies that all went remote for COVID are suddenly going, well, you know, we've got, we've got 50 employees, like 10 don't really like the work from home, but the 40 of us love it. Our productivity has increased. We're not walking this back. We're, we're going to downsize our office. But that does bring on new challenges where you've got people that are very traditional in their operating of their agency that are now going to have to hire and train remote employees, which I think is going to blow some people's minds. It's, it's a, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a challenge. The, the, what I, I live mostly on the carrier side, but what, what I am seeing is, is a lot of, of, of my clients and prospects uh, saying we overnight went fully remote, right? Or on March 9th, we went fully remote. Uh, it worked. We have not lost a, a beat. The, the technology investment of the last few years paid off. Uh, people are as productive or more productive. Uh, we're being really careful about reopening the office. Um, and then I asked them, okay, is this going to change how you look at talent going forward? Yes, definitely. We're going to be more open-minded to remote people from the beginning. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to, this will give us access to, to a national market of talent without having to relocate people. But the concern is exactly that. The concern is we have to learn how to train them, right? Because one thing is, is letting your train people, okay, you can work from home from now on but how to train the new ones and number two the culture how do, how do we keep the culture uh going forward as, as we bring new people who from the beginning uh were remote or almost completely remote so and that's something that we all have to learn we, we nobody's really done it before within our industry culture is going to be a tough one a tough one to maintain now i do think it can be done. I, I, not to discourage that at all, but it's going to take work and it's going to take work from people that are not used to working in that mentality. So everyone's going to have to grow. It's going to be one of those things that that manager or ops person, whatever you want to call them, is going to really have to put in some time and figure out how to keep that culture going. And that's going to be interesting to see. Okay. So, so, so basically what, what you're saying is, 2021 and forward, the hottest new role for agencies is that operations manager who knows how to run every little detail about the agency and can manage what, what at Jacobson we're calling it a blended workforce of some internal, uh, so some here, some remote, some partially remote. Uh, so how to train and manage a blended workforce that includes a lot more remote people. So I think that is going to be the most in demand, but I think the number of people that can do that, that have the insurance expertise and the blended workforce expertise is probably like you could see it on two hands. There's just, I think that's going to be a huge, huge demand, but I just don't think we're going to be able to fill that void. And that's where I see opportunity. So you've got people coming from other industries that maybe have that management experience from a blended workforce because tons of other industries have been remote or somewhat remote forever. And so it gives them the opportunity to come into insurance. And you know what? They can learn the insurance operations side. They can figure out how to work the management system. And, and, but the coaching of their people and creating that culture remotely that's, you know, that's the big talent. Okay. 
I also think, I also, since we're talking about hot in demand positions for 2021, once again, going back to those young grads, I think there's tremendous opportunity for them because at the end of the day, they're going to be more comfortable in the video interview than somebody else. You know, by and large, they, they've grown up with that sort of stuff and it provides flexibility for them. You know, being able to work in a super stable industry remotely from wherever you want, that's awesome. You know, it, Yes, traditionally, insurance does not have the best reputation for paying the most. But I think there, 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 there's reasons for that. It's a stable industry. You don't need to pay, like, you don't need to pay Google-level salaries. You know, it, it's, we're not a badly paid industry. I, no, I agree. But people think that, and I guess it's part, partially, you, you've got two ends of the spectrum. You've got people that think it's an executive level job and think it's you know, worth this much. And then you've got the other end where the outside people tend to think that we're like a half a step above used car salesmen. And so there's like somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. You know, I, I genuinely think by and large, the insurance industry pays very fairly. It's just one of those stinks that we have on us we we could do better for your first job like it it it, it massively breaks my heart every time i and if it happens for for, for example uh, i i'm active on the uh the insurance pros uh so, uh, so subreddit on reddit and, and uh generally it's, it's i didn't it's, even know that existed for Red, it's 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 a fight club kind of thing which we try not to talk about it so i hope i don't get <laughs> For mentioning it, I won't link it in the show notes. Uh, but there is such a thing, and it's it's a private subreddit. Uh, you have to submit your LinkedIn show that you're actually working insurance to join. Uh, and it breaks my heart every time that we get somebody new and they come in and, and they're like, "I'm making 11 bucks an hour, making cold calls for an exclusive agent." Uh, is there a future here, right? So we have some places in the industry where truly it's just not great. But if you look your way or you Google your way into the right advice, you find insurance nerds, you find that subreddit, you find somebody who's been successful in the industry and you take some time to learn how they did it, once you get out of that first job, there's great careers here. And, and, and the best part is, is they're, they're not, this is right. You, you come from, from, from New York. This, this is not finance or consulting where everybody and their brother went to school for that and wanting to do that. And, and it's incredibly competitive and you get there and, and, and you've got to kill yourself for years and years and years and years and years to, to survive. Uh, no, the, the beauty here is that nobody grew up wanting to work in insurance. So all, all you need is, is a good work ethic, being smart and, and like doing some research to find out how to grow. Now it's easier on my side, on the carrier side than it is on your side, but your side has really, really good money potential, right? So, so what I Absolutely. like to, or, or when I talk to, to, to like students who are, who are looking at insurance, risk management students, especially uh, what, what, I, what I tell them is, okay, Carrier side, you can fairly easily uh, grow in, in, in very quickly, especially with, with a risk management degree, into that like $60,000, $80,000 uh, salary job with benefits. 
in, 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 in a medium cost of living city, and then two to three years experience in underwriting, maybe a CPCU, you can fairly easily turn that into a six-figure position. Now, there's a, a ceiling, probably at about 130, 150, where unless you make, make it to a true executive level, you're probably not gonna make more than that. But that is damn good money, right? Which, so it becomes even better money when you can go remote and live in whatever city you want. Oh my want. God, yeah. And, you and, no longer need to live in Chicago. And, and, and in your side of the world, there is such a thing as, as million dollar brokers, right? Like, like, especially in, in, in like New York type. Uh, but I, I, I know million dollar brokers in Mississippi, right? Like, like there are, and that you can't make that money on the carrier side unless you're like, unless you make it to be a CEO. Uh, so, so they're a little bit different from each other, but ultimately both, can provide a really nice, stable career. Uh, yeah, making six figures with insurance is, is, is not rocket surgery. It's just a matter no, of, of doing the right stuff, finding you, the right advice. You don't uh, need an MBA. Work. Co absolutely correct. You don't need an you, MBA. You didn't need to attend an Ivy League school. You just need to show up and work. I, I, you need to show up and work and you need to find the right advice. Like, I, like it, especially in, in the... At a, at a small agency, you could show up and, and be a great account manager for 30 years and right, there's a ceiling to how much money you can make. All, so, unless but that ceiling is surprisingly high if you keep advancing your knowledge. The key okay. is to not just pigeonhole yourself. So I, when, when I was in the retail shop in New York, I was interviewing uh, for an account manager. Like I was interviewing to hire. And yeah, that's, that, I said that, right? Whatever, we'll move on because we took a mess here. <laughs> and it was an account manager coming from another uh, good-sized shop in the New York area. And uh, this individual was very matter-of-fact. And they were like, listen, I'm going to be the hardest working person you've got. I'm not going to take lunch. I take two smoke breaks a day. And I'm going to kill it for you. I can handle $3 million in revenue book. But I need 135 a year plus full bennies. And this person was straight face, matter of fact. And I was just like, well, we're not in a position to pay you that much. <laughs> but if you're getting close to that, that's awesome. And it sounds like you're a rock star. And this, this individual was like, yeah, that's, that's actually, you know, I, I'm getting uh, about a buck 25 right now. Um, but the, the office moved and there's a new manager there. I don't really care for that person. And the commute is a little bit further. Your office is closer. And so I was hoping that, you know, we could work something out, but that all that to say, that was a very long story short there, <laughs> but you can get good money as an account manager. You know, obviously that is the New York market where things are higher. Cost of living is higher, but you know, to start out as an account manager is not the worst route to go. You can make, you know, a decent living and then transition to, you know, a higher, you know, paced, higher paid role. No, it, it's, it's, a, it's a deeply necessary role within, within agencies. And, and, and at most agencies or brokerages, they're the ones that, that, that keep the thing running, mm -hmm. uh, right? The producer brings in the new business, but they keep the renewals there. Uh, and they make sure that, that everything happens that needs to happen for for, for business to, to continue getting written and, and renewed no question about it 
uh, absolutely no question about it. It, it in the traditional brokerage, well, it's hard unless you want to become a producer. There's a, a, a ceiling to it, but I, I have been encouraging the industry. We, we need to reinvent that. We, we can't count on the girls staying forever, right? And I see the girls with quotes because that's yeah. what a lot of agencies call them. But, but uh, uh, the new generation is, is not going to stay there without a real career path. And without I do think paid, that, that's, that's one of the areas that I think we're going to evolve in. I think with the new remote workforce, with things being different, I do think that position is going to evolve from just a true account manager to more of an, the term that gets tossed around is like an account executive. Mm -hmm. So like a junior producer, but I, I, I think their compensation should be tied to the revenue that they maintain. Yeah. And re retention of, of that revenue. Exa exactly. And if they happen to produce some new stuff along the way and cross sell, et cetera, that's great. But the, the days of that person just answering the phone and putting out the fire, that's gone. And if they, want, if they want to raise that ceiling of the account manager salary, I think they need to be proactive and do more than just be a firefighter. They need to, to do more. Okay. Okay. So, so any other thoughts about the future of the agency post-COVID? Oh, I mean, there's, there's going to be, unfortunately, there are going to be people and agencies that don't do so well through COVID. But for the aggressive, the progressive, there's opportunity. You know, uh, at the end of the day, the hunters are going to eat. Is, is, anybody, uh, uh, is anybody doing a good job of... of of showing the new path, like, like uh, uh, the Big Eye or Ryan Hamley or uh, Agency Nation, or I, I have no idea. I really haven't been, I, I, I've been really busy with, with, with the day job. Uh, so I really haven't been keeping track of, of kind of the chatter out there in, 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 the, in the agency space. Is, so, are there any content producers that, that are showing the, 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 the way of the future? Not that I've seen making a lot of headway okay. in that. I think we, we started to have a voice as independent agents, and then it kind of fizzled out. And so unfortunately, there's a lot of people, I think, trying to figure it out. Um, there's, you know, obviously things are, are, are getting, I, I would say things are definitely getting better for insurance agencies, but there, there's kind of pick and choose like total CSR is doing good on their training. I think uh, guys like Billy Williams are doing good things on process, but I don't think there's that like single source of truth that like this can be your guiding light. Follow us. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. So, so, so when, when are you going to start your, your, uh, your, your side gig. Uh. Oh, so I, I am not uh, super great at, uh, uh, I, I'm very focused on one thing and one thing only. And uh, so th that's why I don't really put myself out there a lot. I, I typically have my head down grinding, grinding, grinding. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think I'm that guy. Um, but I, I think there's a huge void and I think there is an opportunity for someone to be that voice. I, I think that, that uh, Ryan Hanley, Agency Nation, uh, the old Agency Nation stuff back in the Ryan Hanley years, uh, I think their stuff is really, really good. Uh, there's uh, Kelly Donahue uh, Pyro of uh, Agency Performer Partners. Uh, there's Chris Paradiso. 
but I don't know, I haven't heard anything specifically in, in post-COVID. Like those were all like in the two years prior, two or three years prior to, uh, they were producing great content. So I haven't really kept track of, of who might be doing that right now. So for people listening, if you're willing to go outside the insurance industry, which I'm a big fan of, I think people outside the industry tend to be a little more progressive. Um, Impact, uh, it's a company based out of Connecticut, uh, Marcus Sheridan. Um, they run an event called Digital Sales and Marketing. That is one of those, like, I think they went virtual and I think they might be doing another. I don't really know how things got crazy, but they're progressive, their sales, their marketing, and they're not, um, they provide a ton of free content, like a ton of free content, more, more than any one person can consume. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's a good starting point on, on where to figure out how to really approach what is the new world. You know, the, the days of country club selling, I think, are, are gone for good. I mean, may, maybe they'll come back, but I don't know. I don't know. Building a, a new book that way is, it, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's just not, not as doable today as it was. 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, which is unfortunate. I mean, it, it would be great if that was still the case. I mean, I think having different ways to grow your book is important, but mm -hmm. I just, I don't think that's going to be one of them going forward. Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you for, for joining me today. Uh, we're kind of out of time. Oh yeah, we went. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, th thank you for joining us. I, I will include the, uh, the link to your, to your LinkedIn on the show notes. Uh, and uh, I'm assuming your territory for RPS is, is like Austin or, or like that side of Texas or, or whatever. Uh, but if you're an agent and you're, you're looking for a wholesale broker. Uh, I, I appreciate the plug. Technically, my, my territory is actually not restricted to, to Texas. So oh, anybody okay. who's got a, a question, uh, I'd be happy to answer it. Um, you know, it really, uh, our RPS plays nice like that. And so we're, we're allowed to operate, you know, wherever we can build a relationship. Okay, that's excellent. Awesome. Yeah. So, so thank you very much for, for, for your time. Uh, and thank you for, for, for uh, putting up with the technical difficulties earlier today. No worries. Uh, thank you. Take it easy.